After Professor Bowden prepares dinner for Jimmy Dean Keene and Caroline A. Bear Guidry and goes to work, Jimmy and Caroline return to the sofa where he lays down with his head in her lap. She strokes his hair, and after a while, he says, I get why you hid all that from me, but I don't want you to be with somebody you think you need to hide things from. I think you should be with somebody you can trust, and I don't know if you can trust me. I don't know if anybody can trust me. I don't know if I'm trustworthy. She's full of remorse as she pats his hair. It's not like that. I do trust you. I do think you're trustworthy. Maybe I'm fucked up or something, but I've met people I've trusted a whole lot less. I'm sorry to hear about that. I'm sorry I didn't tell you about the book. I really just didn't want to hurt you. I mean, I knew it would hurt you one way or the other, but figured this way would hurt less because you wouldn't need to fret about it the whole time I was reading. We could just tell you when it was all done. She admits, I guess I thought it would be better to ask for forgiveness than for permission. Well, I forgive you because I did a hell of a lot worse that you just read about and you still forgave me. Two murders? A whole Ponzi scheme? Me being chief lieutenant in a cult of personality? And you still like me. Not to be presumptuous. I mean, I think you do anyway. She feels quietly emotional about it, but tries not to make her feelings into his problem. I do. I very much still do. And I'm sorry your other girlfriend left when you needed her. I'm not. Was she in the book? Talking shit? No, she was barely in there and didn't get interviewed. Good. Yeah. She washed her hands and got the fuck out. Like I would have expected. Caroline says, She sounded like an asshole. If it had been me, I would have stayed. Jimmy contemplates this possibility. Well, if I had known you then, I would have never got involved with Joe. He can feel Caroline shrug, which surprises him. I don't know. Y'all were friends for a long time. Maybe... If I'd have been there when he'd come to you with all these crazy schemes, and you had told me, I would have helped you go all double agent, straight from the beginning. Got his ass busted for financial fraud, conspiracy to commit murder, all that stuff. This hits Jimmy from an angle he had never expected. For a minute, he can see through a window in his mind to a world where that happened. And it's more refreshing than he could have contemplated without her prompting. He yearns for it. And the desire for that reality suddenly becomes so strong 
that he needs to shut it down inside himself. He turns his face to look up at her, soft and grateful. In another life. Caroline tells him, for most of the book, I just wanted to crawl right into the page and hold you. He pictures her looking through a window in her mind, too, experiencing that painful, vivid sense of longing, and it puts a sad smile on his face. Yeah, yeah, if only you could have. I kind of needed it. She continues to stroke his hair, gently arranging the throw blanket over him. I didn't tell you, but the worst part for me was reading about you riding in the back of that hot truck with a man in the trunk behind you. Kind of hold the door shut with your little body. Not to call you little. I couldn't have done it. Jimmy can suddenly vividly remember that, the stifling heat, the physical effort of holding a box truck's doors shut from the inside because Joe had forgotten to lock them. He can still hear the road noise, the highway speed, the traffic on the other side of the doors that he's struggling to keep shut, the muffled screaming and praying and pounding from the man trapped in the blue steamer trunk deeper inside the truck. He can remember the frantic, disembodied voice singing a Persian prayer for death. Caroline breaks his reverie only slightly. I can't even imagine what you were thinking. Jimmy says, I wasn't thinking anything. I was just scared shitless. But that isn't strictly true. He can recall the immediacy of his fear. Not only that he couldn't hold the doors closed, and that he'd go tumbling out of the truck face first into the road, into oncoming traffic, but also that the box containing another human being would go flying out too, ruining all of Joe's big plans. Thinking that if the doors did come open and they flew out, Joe would need to floor it and get away from the scene, but feeling less upset about him just leaving them there and more upset about Joe getting caught and it will be all my fault. Caroline tells him, I know this is real fucked up, but so much for being a wimpy snob, right? <sighs> Jimmy has to acknowledge, well, misplaced courage and anti-heroics are so something, I guess. He needs a question answered. Do you think I'm weak? What? No. Why? Because I'm a follower. 
I followed some Pied Piper to my own ruin and to another man's grave. No. Caroline gently strokes him. You wanted to belong, but to stand out at the same time. And who doesn't want that, right? Especially when they're 20 years old in 1985. Some guy made a bunch of phony bullshit to prey on that. And for the record, I just read about, you know, 700 pages talking about how you weren't the only one who fell for it. I fell for something. You didn't even ask about paradox philosophy or anything. No, because that was Joe's bullshit. We can talk about it some other time if you want, but for now, how I see it is... You ended up learning one good thing from it. How to be your own man. Do your own thing. Even if it costs you. And that taught you how to be a real leader. Jimmy pictures the Angola prison psychiatrist judging phase and says, For better or for worse, I guess. Hey, thanks for listening to me talk about all this shit. My own mom told me to shut the fuck up. She didn't want to hear about it anymore. I know. I read about that. At first they kind of pissed me off. How are you going to tell him to shut up? I wish she'd let you talk, but I guess I kind of understand. Yeah, I definitely understood. Caroline continues to pet him, so soothing, gentle. I wish none of that had ever happened to you. He shrugs. Well, I appreciate that, obviously. But I got myself into it, so... It did, and I guess, in the end, I can't be too upset about it, because it allowed me to become somebody else entirely. You can be as upset about it as you want. (laughs) He acknowledges that, but if nothing else... I'm pretty sure James Keene Jr. is the exact opposite of a wimpy snob. That's one way of looking at it. Maybe I never would have been any different if it wasn't for all that. Caroline runs her fingers through Jimmy's hair. I don't know. Maybe. But... I don't think you were a wimpy snob. And if you were, that didn't mean you'd always be. And even if you were one, and you always were, I don't think a wimpy snob is the worst thing a person could be. Yeah, I could have been a murderer. Caroline cups Jimmy's face in her hand. You are not a murderer. 
He just kind of lays there staring, not really seeing anything. If you say so. We can joke all day about wimpy snobs because whatever you may have been then, you definitely aren't one now. And it's kind of funny. Yeah. But I will not tolerate any Dean slander. I wouldn't put up with it from Joe Cunt, and I won't put up with it from James Kane Jr. Dean made mistakes, but in the end, he made it right. As right as you could. And you're still trying to make it right. Now. Just ask Larry Hall. The Goblin King. <sighs> Good luck with that. Right. Because his ass is in prison. Just like Joe's is. And that's where they both belong. Fuck them. Both of them. Right to hell. Jimmy thinks about it and decides to admit we had a few things in common, too. Me and Larry Hall. Caroline doesn't see it. Jimmy doesn't need to look at her to know she's looking down at him good-naturedly, but with great skepticism. Oh, did you? Like, you're both men, and you're both alive. Don't go telling me he's a Scorpio, too. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. He decides to maybe not get into it right now. I mean it. So did Joe and I. That's just a fucking scorpion metaphor. Really? You don't know. I joined his cult, right? That says something about me. What I wanted out of life. And who I wanted to be. I don't know. It seemed to me like you were just lonely. And he spoke to your sense of wanting to belong. To wanting to be loved for who you were. Not who the rest of the world expected you to be. Jimmy remembers laying in a dark room, listening to a Walkman through a pair of headphones, while in another bed across the room, Joe Hunt slowly sits up, looking at him in the light of a reading lamp. He can feel the weight of Joe's eyes on him. Joe says, I'm going to ask you a question and need you to be honest. In the present, Jimmy sighs. Yeah. I mean, sure, the concept of iconoclasm is appealing. He was right. 
It is pretty liberating to just not give a fuck. He thinks for a minute, looks up at Caroline out of the corners of his eyes. Do you think I ought to read that book? No. Why not? Cole's right. You already know what's in there. She also knows there are some things he probably doesn't know and doesn't need to. A line comes to mind. Dean Carney is profoundly damaged goods. She strokes his hair, his face. But I'll tell you something funny. The first part of the book is called The Great Gamsky. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy rolls over onto his back, puts a hand to his forehead. That's clever. <laughs> yeah, the author is pretty sassy, actually. He's pretty funny. But that proves my point. This is a prime opportunity for Jimmy to illustrate what he's talking about. He sits up. Let me show you something. I've told you about it before, but you should see it. He stands up, holds out his hand. Caroline follows suit, gets to her feet, takes it. He leads her through the house and upstairs. There's a hallway up there with doors that are mostly open into rooms that are empty. Gauzy streetlight filtering in through thin curtains and a closed door that he opens. To his bedroom, which Caroline has never seen before. It's tastefully nice, comfortable. He's got a desk, king-size bed, down comforter and stuff. But apart from some small things, like his watch on the desktop, his gold chains in a pen tray, he hasn't bothered to personalize or really decorate it. He leads her into his walk-in closet, flips on the light, and they are surrounded by his sizable, neatly organized wardrobe of clothing. His blazers and suit coats, trousers on hangers, and all of his shirts and a full array of tasteful colors. Light blue, lavender, light pink, light gray, dark gray, white, burgundy, dark purple, dark blue, any of the above but pinstriped in a different color, one or two with a pattern, like paisley or even floral. Some duplicates of various colors, but the largest number by far in solid black. 
Jimmy quotes F. Scott Fitzgerald. Have you ever seen such beautiful shirts? It just makes you want to cry, doesn't it? Caroline does kind of want to cry, but not because of the beautiful shirts. She stares at his clothes, turning slowly on her heel, then faces him again with a brave smile. It's as brave as his brave smile. You've got one in pretty much every color, huh? The whole fucking rainbow. And this isn't even everything I've ever had. You see what I mean? If all of this hadn't happened, that would have been me. It still is. Just look at it. This is me. Caroline stares at him straight in the face. I know. She steps closer to him, gently smooths the collar of the shirt he's wearing, neatens him up again, even though he barely needs neatening, puts her forehead against his, gently wraps her arms around him. He puts his chin on her shoulder. She puts her cheek against his shoulder, whispers into his ear. I know. Later, they hold one another fully clothed on his bed. Can I tell you something? So, you know how I told you my dad, the biological one, was effectively an atheist. Uh, one of the last times I saw him, stop me if you read this in the book, when I was getting ready to leave and go into the program, my mom and sister were out. Or they went to shul or to find somebody to talk to. So I said goodbye to the housekeeper. She was like an auntie to me. And I was walking through the house looking for my dad. Jimmy can't look at Caroline in the dark. He's just talking. She's listening with her hand on his arm. And I finally found him in his study. And it was a surprise because he had on the yarmulke and the prayer shawl, and he had the family copy of the Talmud. I'd never seen him with all that shit before. Outside of, like, dressing up for some sort of formality. And he beckoned me to come in. Like he was performing some kind of occult ritual or something. He said, Son, come pray with me. Well, of course I did. We knelt on the floor, and he put the shawl over me. I said, what are we going to pray for? And he said, I don't know. 
What does a man in your position pray for? Caroline is looking at him and sees his forehead creasing, his eyebrows drawing together with sorrow. We didn't pray out loud, so I don't know what he said, but I prayed that somebody would come take care of them, him and my mom, the way I'd wanted to, because I couldn't do it anymore. Caroline strokes his face. Kind of ironic, maybe. Is that the word for it? One of the words. Maybe. And then it turns out my brother-in-law died. And I guess my sister moved back in with their son. Guess he ended up taking the Carney last name. Now he's working for the family business. So. Maybe prayers do get answered. Maybe there is a God. And he fucking heard me. And so he decided to kill my brother-in-law. To give me what I wanted. Oh. I still don't think there's a God. And even if there was, it's not your fault. Someone killed your brother-in-law and your sister had to move back home. Although, I'm glad she did. I bet it was a real comfort to your folks to have her son around. Yeah, they deserved a do-over. Not like that. I bet he reminded them of you. Kind of how you remind Big Jim of his son. But that doesn't mean you're a do-over. And neither is your nephew. I bet they would never even begin to feel like they could replace you. Jimmy thinks this is quite generous. But he doesn't really know what to say to it. He closes his eyes and kisses Caroline's forehead instead. I'm not glad all that happened. I regret what I did every day. I am never going to forget the name Hedayat Eslaminia. Even if he was a fucking bastard. I know. Jimmy thinks. But if I had never stopped being Dean Carney. I would have never met you. And you love me. The way Joe fucking cunt. Never could. So. If it has to be like this. In a way, that's almost worth it to me.